Well, good morning. Uh, we are entering into the uh, last feast that we're going to be talking about, although it was the first one um, that the Jews would have participated in in the spring. Uh, for them, it would have been a more exciting feast. In fact, in many ways, it was kind of like our 4th of July, in the sense that there was independence that was gained and reminded of through that time. We remember the 4th of July with fireworks. Our independence was gained as a country, as a nation. They would look back on the Passover, and in some ways that was their independence. It was then that they were reminded that God had brought them out of Egypt as slaves, brought them through the desert and into the land that was promised. And so it was with great excitement that they observed the Passover. So shouldn't we observe it the same way? How do we observe the Lord's Supper? Do we observe the Lord's Supper Holy Communion with great excitement, recognizing that we have independence, that we have been delivered from sin, and we are now dependent upon Jesus Christ who covers us? And in some ways we want to say yes, but in other ways we think that we should observe the Lord's Supper with great reverence. Well, as a Jew, back in the Old Testament, with great excitement and joy, we would have thought about the Passover in a celebratory manner. But this morning, as you can guess from the songs uh, that were led, uh, we have chosen to take a more reverent approach to the Passover. Now, there's a lot of things that I have learned about the Passover, many of which are actually quite confusing. If you were to talk to a Jew today, a practicing Jew, about Passover, they would not call it the Passover meal, they would call it Seder, S-E-D-E-R, and they would say Seder is actually, it is, it is the, Seder means order, it is the order in which the Passover should be done. In fact, they would argue that that was the way it would have been done by Jesus himself. But there's a few issues with that. The first one is that the Seder really did not come about until the destruction of the temple in around 70 AD. And therefore, Jesus would not have partaken of Seder in the way that they did. But it's just elegant in the way that is planned out. It's a 15-step it's a approach that would begin uh, after sundown, that they would gather around and they would have this meal that would begin uh, with this prayer and the washing of hands. And then there would be this first cup, this, this cup uh, of sanctification. And it was to, to remind the people that God had brought them out of Egypt. Then they would have the bitter herbs, which would serve as a reminder that it was through sweat and tears that they came through the desert. This would be followed by the, the matzah bread, not unlike what we have. It would be somewhat similar. It had the, the striped appearance and it had the holes in it. And people would later say, well, this would be a reminder of Jesus who, who was striped. For our sins and the holes would represent the way that he was pierced. 
and we draw a lot of analogies out of that. And out of those three matzahs, it's the center one that is broken. What would the center one, the, the second one, what would that have meant to the Jews who were partaking of the Passover several thousand years ago? Not much. In fact, a lot of questions would have been why, in fact, would that have been broken in such a way? And later on, people would say that's because the three matzahs, the three pieces of bread, they represented the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it was the Son that was broken for each one of us. And they would then take uh, the second cup. And that second cup uh, would be a reminder of the fact that, that God uh, freed them. They would then have a, a time where they would have questions. And in fact, this was set up uh, very methodically. That the person uh, who was the eldest would conduct the, the, the Seder or the Passover. And they would go around from right from, from the, his right would be the oldest and then the next youngest and the next youngest till you went around to the very youngest would be sitting to the left of the one there. And you'd say, oh, well, that makes sense because as we look back in the New Testament, we see John, the youngest one, was sitting to the left of Jesus. And, and he would have been asked, he would have been expected to ask these certain questions. There are four questions that he would ask questions like why do we recline at the table on this day rather than sit and why do we dip the the matzah twice when we normally only do it once and these were questions that were asked and the answers would allow the people to rehear the story of how God had delivered them out of Egypt and many people assume, and if you read the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you would think, you know what? Jesus experienced Passover with his disciples the night before that he would be, uh, that he would be arrested. Well, the night he would be arrested and then crucified. But we have some problems with that, with the timeline. And so we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And we're going to talk a little bit about where John comes in. And he seems to clear things up just a little bit. But what exactly were they trying to remember? Turn to Exodus chapter 12 with me. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Exodus chapter 12, it's the second book in the Old Testament. This is God giving instructions to Moses on how the Passover is to take place. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. This is Nisan. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people who are there. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with, that, uh, with what each person will eat. 
The animals you must choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of, of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the on sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night you are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire. Head, legs, and inner parts, do not leave any of it until morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So here we have the original Passover. And we can say for about three and a half millennia, people have been observing the Passover. But honestly, there was only one Passover. Everyone since then has been a reminder But that was Old Testament. Did Jesus participate in the Passover? Well, of course he did. Did Jesus observe the Seder like modern Jews do today? Most likely not. Those came on a little later. So what's the real significance of the Passover? Why was it so instrumental and why do we actually believe that the book of John may in fact just center around the idea of Passover well think about this do you remember Jesus's cousin what was his name John the Baptist and John the Baptist he was an unusual fellow wasn't he do you remember what he ate Locusts and wild honey. He lived out by the river and he said, I'm not the one, but I am preparing the way for the one. And he's going to meet Jesus, his cousin, and see him coming from far off. And in John chapter 1 verse 29, does anybody know what he says? He says, behold the what? The Lamb of God is coming. From the very beginning, John is showing that Jesus is, in fact, the Passover Lamb. And I I don't know what to make of how Matthew, Mark, and Luke place Jesus at the Passover feast. And John places Jesus the day before the Passover feast. And there are several different scholars who try to figure out how could this actually happen. Luke actually says, I want you to prepare for the Passover meal. I have longed, 
I have eagerly awaited to eat this Passover meal with you. And so how in the world could Matthew, Mark, and Luke get the days mixed up? Or maybe John got it mixed up. Well, nobody really knows, but one scholar suggested, hey, here's what we think. How many of you have a celebrate or, or have a Christmas meal? How many of you have a Christmas meal? Raise your hand if you have a Christmas meal. I'm going to think almost every one of you. How many of you have that Christmas meal on December 25th? How many of you have that Christmas meal on a different day? Any of you have yours on a different day? It's not, it's not because I'm not with my in-laws during that time. We spend several days before and during and after Christmas, probably from about the 22nd to the 26th, we spend with her family. And we have a Christmas meal. We don't eat the Christmas meal on December 25th. As has been the tradition, we have the meal on December 24th. That's what's considered our Christmas meal, even though it doesn't take place on that day. And then when you wake up in the morning. So everybody may do it a little bit different. The fact is, is that John wants to point out that Jesus did not eat the Passover meal with his disciples. Because why? Well, what has to happen before they eat the Passover meal. The lamb has to be slaughtered. And if Jesus was in fact the Passover lamb, then how could he enjoy the Passover meal but the day before? How about this? John chapter 12. I want you to all turn with me to John chapter 12. Okay, so let's do this real quick. Okay, the, the Passover um, meal uh, was to take place on Nisan the 15th. Is that correct? Okay, uh, in, in that time, wait, let's go back and look. Somebody look and, and, and double check with me here. We were in Exodus chapter 12, remember? Does anybody remember what day he's, they're supposed to? Take care until the what day? The 14th day in which this is supposed to happen. Okay? So, so the, the Passover lamb is to be brought into the house when? Does anybody remember which day? The 10th day. Okay, so let's do the math here, just because we could get confused. If you say 14 minus 10, that equals 4. But let's count with us. The animal comes in on the what? The 10th day, and it remains in the house the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, and the 14th. Okay? So here we have the lamb is there five days. Why is the lamb in the house for five days? I think there's really kind of two reasons. What are these reasons? Can anybody guess? Why would God say, I want you to have that that?" unblemished lamb in the house for five days. Why would you do it? For purification? To become acquainted with it? I don't know about you, but I don't, 
I don't have a real big problem with eating meat. I like steaks, I like hamburgers, I like chicken, I like all that stuff. I like it after it has been processed, grilled, and brought out onto the table. I find it more difficult. Now, I'm a city slicker. For those of you who are country folks, this may be a little bit different. But it seems to me that there's a difference between having cattle and having a pet, isn't there? Because a pet you make some attachment to. The reason why God said, I want you to bring that animal in, was first, I want you to get to know that animal. I want you to see it walking around your feet all day long. That cute, little, unblemished, spotless animal. I want you to look at it. I want you to love it. I want you to see its innocence. I don't want it to be something that you just pull out of the herd and slaughter and nobody realizes the sacrifice that was made. And second, it was an opportunity to check over that animal and make sure that it was unblemished, that it was without spot. Five days, okay? John chapter 12 verse 1 says this, Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived. Oh, and you're like, oh, that's not right. It's supposed to be five days. But where did he arrive in verse 1? Bethany. He arrives in Bethany. And this is the beautiful story where Jesus is anointed by the woman here. And they're, they're all upset about it. And Jesus says, leave her alone. It's right that she does this. Now, look down in verse 12 what happens. The what? The next day. We're holding up six days before the Passover. You take away one day because it's the next day and what happens? Jesus enters in Jerusalem five days before. And what's the purpose of the lamb to be brought in the house? For people to get to know it? And for people to inspect it and make sure that it is worthy to be called unblemished. Do you know what happens in the next few chapters of John? Well, we're going to have this this time uh, in John chapter 13 where he's going to wash the feet of his disciples and he's going to partake of a meal which we don't believe is to be the Passover. But what happens... Before that and after that, lots and lots of questioning. People are trying to figure out if Jesus could in fact be the Passover lamb. They don't really know this. But God has set it up in such a way that Jesus is going to arrive in Jerusalem. He's going to show up to be the Passover lamb. And just like a family would inspect a lamb to make sure it's spotless, here we have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and other Jews are scrutinizing Jesus and they're trying to find something wrong with him. And here's the most amazing part we have. John chapter 18 and 19. Jesus finds himself before Pilate. 
Listen to verse 38. What is the truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and he says what? There are no spots on this lamb. I find no basis for a charge against this one whom you have brought to me. Throughout the five days Jesus was in Jerusalem, it was just as if he was the Passover lamb. Isaiah chapter 53, remember, says this, We all like sheep have gone astray, each has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a what? A lamb to be slaughtered as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Prophesied as to be the one who was to come. Five days before the Passover, he entered in. The night before, or the night that he would be arrested and the night before he would be crucified. He was with his disciples. And he sat down to a meal. And it wasn't time for the Passover meal. That was the next night. The next day they would get up, which this is a little confusing again, because once it was dark, it was that next day for them. The next day began at 6 p.m. But at that night, he would sit down and he would break bread with them. And he would drink from the cup. And he would talk about that, that the bread represented his body. And that the wine represented his blood. And they sang a song. And they went to the garden. And he was arrested. And his disciples, his friends, ones that he had been with and taught and loved and encouraged and rebuked, ones that had seen with their own eyes and heard with their own ears, they watched dead people rise again and Jesus walk on water. They watched multitudes being fed with just a few fish and some loaves of bread. They ran. And they hid. And a mock trial was created. And while everybody was getting ready for Passover the next day, Jesus was in prison about to be slaughtered. Everybody was so consumed what was going on. After the lambs would be slaughtered, they would be cooked. And obviously, when you had a swell of such a large amount of people, there were these extra ovens that were, that were put in throughout the place, throughout Jerusalem, the city, so that people would have a place to cook their lamb. 
and they would observe Passover that night. But the New Testament is very specific about Jesus and the time in which He was crucified. Their morning began at 6 a.m. That's when they started counting time. So at the third hour, what took place? Jesus was crucified. And from 6th hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the whole land. From the 3rd hour to the 6th hour, darkness came over the whole land. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, It is finished. No coincidence, huh? You know what was taking place at 3 p.m.? Do you know what they began doing at 3 p.m. in Jerusalem? They were slaughtering the lambs. At the exact moment in which these one-year-old lambs without blemish or defect were being killed and being slaughtered, Jesus Himself gave up His life. It's just not a coincidence. The Passover from that moment on would never be the same. We don't go looking for a lamb. We don't pilgrimage to Jerusalem. We don't slaughter the one-year-old lamb before the Passover and take place in the Passover Seder in which we remember the deliverance out of Egypt. Instead, we remember the Passover lamb being that of Jesus Himself. As the Jews were celebrating their deliverance, from Egypt, Jesus was on a cross saying, I will deliver not one country from slavery, not one nation of people out of slavery. I'm going to deliver the entire world, all of mankind from sin. I am the spotless Lamb. they would continue on and they would observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread the following few days. And in three days, they would celebrate the, the, the Feast of First Fruits. Three days. They would say, we have buried something into the ground It has come out, and we are celebrating what God gave us. That's the Feast of First Fruits. And next week, we're going to talk a little bit about what God buried and rose up out of the ground, and why we celebrate Jesus as our Lord and King. 
Tomorrow, people will be celebrating their Passover Seder. Uh, And I encourage you to continue to do some research on that. There are many books. I have quite a few resources if you're interested in that. I would encourage you, at the very least, take an opportunity this week, every day, I encourage you to be intentional about what is taking place and what took place several thousand years ago. I grew up in a faith community where we, the only thing Easter was, was a big bunny who hid colored eggs. But there's something bigger to that story than searching for Easter eggs. It's something about finding a God who loves us. I'm going to ask that this week you be in deep prayer as we get closer to Easter and we invite people in to join us this next week. I encourage you to help be in prayer with the rest of us as we try to show them a God who can rise from the dead and change lives. If there's any way we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.